The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, I am joined by a social media megastar and father of the appointed first family of TikTok, Mark D'Amelio, his social media megastar family, Charlie, Dixie, and his wife, Heidi, have a combined social media following of over 365 million and a successful TV show on Hulu. Season two is coming out soon, and we will talk about it. Mark and Heidi continue to encourage their daughters to use their platforms for good and to create positive change in the world, all while balancing his professional career as an apparel entrepreneur advisor in the sports industry, and most recently announcing the formation of D'Amelio Brands, which we're also going to dive into. Today, we are going to dive into the family's rise to fame, their successes and struggles, and all the details on the big time money being generated from the social media empire. That is the D'Amelio family. Mark, we are so excited to have you today. Thank you for coming on Trading Secrets. Thanks, Jason. Glad to be here. So excited. This is exciting. It's awesome because we talk a lot about business, career navigation, and of course, social media. And that's literally now like the entirety of your world and empire. And I want to get into a little bit of the numbers, right? So Wall Street Journal, they released an article the very beginning of the year showing how TikTok stars are outperforming some of the top CEOs in the S&P 500, right? And on the top of the list was Charlie at 17.5 million in 2021. So my question to you is, that was at the end of 2021. We saw that article. But when for you did you say, whoa, there's there's some real dollars here. We got to start taking this seriously. We might have to get a real money manager, a real talent manager. What was that moment? Yeah, that was early on. I as she when it was in the thousands of followers, it was like, okay, this is fun. And then when it got to 50, and then I remember we bought her, we we had a cake made for her when she got a hundred thousand followers on TikTok. And I <laughs> I'm in the apparel business. I'm sure we'll talk about that, but I've been involved with brands and I have a lot of friends that do licensing. So I picked up the phone and called and said, is this a business yet? Like, and early on we had people, record companies and record executives getting in touch with Charlie directly. And Heidi tells a story that Charlie came and said to Heidi, hey, this guy wants to give me a hundred dollars to do dance to his song on TikTok. And we're yeah. Like, yeah, I was like, that's not real. Let me do and <laughs> I talked to him and, it, and it happened. So it started off with just these small little deals and has escalated in something massive. Absolutely massive. Now, how much of an impact did you have on kind of building this fun little thing on social media to actually like building a brand and steering the direction? Is that something you've done in your previous lives? Yeah, I think I was definitely instrumental in, in, and first of all, I teach my kids, if we're going to do something and you're committed to it, we're going to do it. Yeah. Right. Unless it's a hobby. If it's a hobby and we're just like, you want to go do something for fun, it's fun. But once we, once Charlie decided that this is something she wanted to do, then I was mm-hmm. like, all right, let's, let's get your website up and running. Let's get logos. Yeah. Let's create this as, as a brand. And, but the one thing I did early on is just because I saw so many of the stories about parents and with children that become famous and how parents usually mess up the navigation of things that they just don't know. We, I think our first, first thing we hired, first person we hired was a lawyer. 
And the second okay. person was a business manager. Might have been the opposite. But yeah. We, I wanted to have someone who knew this business sure. with their eyes on it. That's such a good perspective too, is because you have business experience, you know your businesses, but I think there's so much to be said about making sure you're lining yourself with experts in industries you're not familiar with, right? Because it can create a world of difference. People are going to hear these numbers. They're going to see the 17.5. Maybe they've read it before. Maybe they haven't. And I think immediately people think, I want to do that. Right. I think even adults are like, my dad will be like, so how do I get into social media? How does this work? And then you, of course, have kids. And it's like the number one aspiring career now. So what advice would you have for anyone out there, a child, a kid, a, a parent that's dealing with a child who has these aspirations of pursuing social media full time as a career? It, it's difficult. And I would say part of Charlie and Dixie's success is their lack of really wanting to be successful. I think there's something that that happens where you're just kind of, where TikTok created this environment where you could be in your room and be really authentic and natural. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, people people think we have this huge master plan and, <laughs> and we're getting better at it, but like we never, we have no posting schedule. We have no, aside from the things that are, we're contractually obligated to do, yeah. there's, it's a free-for-all. So, Interesting. And on the side of what I would, would tell parents is embrace it. I mean, mm -hmm. I think we early on, maybe because of my background and the fact that I was working with different clothing brands that I had to be on social media, mm -hmm. that I just felt it was something that it's, if you lay the groundwork and you teach your kids to to respect what what their platform is, even, even if it's small, and that yeah. these things that you post or negative things that happen or could last forever. And and totally. but I do think I think the one thing I would say to parents is get get involved yeah. to the extent where you're not you're not necessarily doing TikTok dances, but you're <laughs> but you're keeping an eye on it. Yeah. And I think it's important so you understand it. But the parents are just like, hey, I'm never my kids aren't gonna be on social media till this age or or that's not that <laughs> TikTok is for kids. Like it's sure. just or, or social media in general. I yeah. think I think we've over the last couple of years have proven that any occupation, any career could be amplified by a, a great social media presence. So. It's, it's so cool that you have that perspective because I think so many parents out there try to put like a lid on them and control kids, but to just embrace it and see where it goes. And that's such a good point. I never thought about that. Think about the impact your kids have had on people that are like, you know what? I can be creative in my space or the way I do it, the way I want to do it. And think about what that's created. It's, it's wild. When you talk about getting a business manager, I read one article that said that you guys had moved and, and signed a deal with UTA for them to be your agents. So I'm curious when, that's a huge decision as to like who you're gonna align yourself with. And I do think there's a lot of like business takeaways that are, that go into that thought process. So what are some of like the components that went into deciding UTAs for us? So I think, first of all, Charlie was 15. So mm -hmm. there was no way we were going to let her come to LA by herself. So we were coming <laughs> as a as a family and luckily my during COVID I had a showroom in New York City. I couldn't get into it anyway. So we were yeah. I was open to relocate. So that was a little bit of luck. And we found that when we were working with agents and most of them were just like it was a it was basically 
a territory grab. They're just like, hey, TikTok's a new thing. Yeah. This girl's really popular on TikTok. Let's grab her and bring her. Not, no real thought on, on what they're going to do with her, how they're going to, to help her career. And what was interesting about UTA is they started to dive into my wife's numbers and my numbers and, and Dixie's numbers. And they looked at it. We didn't come to them and say, hey, we have this great idea. Why don't we come and become a Hollywood family? They're yeah. the ones that approached us. And they put this whole, we met them in New York City after we were in LA. And they're the ones that said, hey, we think your family has something. Mm. Heidi's growth, although Charlie is exploding, Heidi's growth on Instagram is incredible. Dixie is someone that we think could, could be big and started to ask about what our interests were. So, and then once we, once we, met with them after meeting with other agencies. It was still to this day. I mean, I love UTA. I love Jeremy. We hired Greg, who is now the president of our company, was our agent That's at UTA. Cool. We brought him over to us with Jeremy's Jeremy Zimmer's approval. So it's been it's so been really cool. That's awesome. When you signed with UTA, you did like the whole family package. Like we're you're taking out one of us, you're yeah. taking all of us and you're gonna help us but, develop but, our but again, that was their idea. I think yeah. people get this like we're I love what's happening with my kids, but I'm yeah. more of a reluctant. I would never consider myself a celebrity. It's just we have some notoriety, mm -hmm. and I think that they're the ones that were like, "Hey, you know what? You guys could do this as a family." I wasn't like, "Charlie, let's how how do I get it?" I'm <laughs> yeah. I, even to this day, I get I kind of am not embarrassed by it. I am just I, I realize that it's a really unique situation. It, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Why? Why us? For a lot of reasons, and I yeah. certainly am not going to try to push myself into something. But yeah. it's worked out. Like I mean, yeah. it's funny because Charlie and Dixie, as much as we, Heidi and I, say to them, like, do you guys really still want to hang out with us? And they, <laughs> we're still going on vacations together, even though they don't live with us anymore. We still have a really cool family dynamic. So I, I think it's so it's a testament to what you said earlier too that it's not like this was all this like premeditated thing and they have this posting schedule. And I think especially out in LA, you see so much of that. And it's so refreshing to just see like, no, this is just who we are. And if this is the roller coaster it takes us on, we're here for it. Yeah, the only thing I said was you're, if you, oh, you're going out to LA by yourself, over my dead body. That's, that's, and, <laughs> Daddy's coming. And, and, and that's it. Because we know, I mean, the stories, there's so many. I mean, this yeah. town is littered with stories of people, young kids that just got taken advantage of or sure. got in the wrong situation. And, and I don't know that I'll be able to prevent everything, but I think yeah. having the stability of Dixie and Charlie being able to reach out to us and ask us questions, even, yeah. even when we have a huge team. Yeah, they, they're totally. always texting my wife or texting me and calling yeah. me and asking us stuff. That's awesome. I think I think there's so many people out there, especially though you've been listening to this, that that's such a like dream, like move to LA and, and, and stardom and fame and money and all that stuff. When you moved out here, you had some obviously can, misconceptions or, or conceptions, ideas of what could happen. What would you say has been the biggest challenge since you guys did come out to LA? I, I think... The, the biggest challenge is, is just surrounding yourself by, first of all, the, the notion that everyone in LA is fake and all that, that's yeah. not accurate. Yeah. I mean, I've met some of my, I've met some of the sweetest, coolest, closest friends I've had, yeah. but really leaving everything behind and all the people you trust that I've spent my entire life with and having, we couldn't bring everybody along with us. We brought a few, but so just navigating meeting new people and and getting that level of trust that you 
I've had friends that I've had since elementary school right. and reconnecting, connecting with people for the first time here. Yeah. That's been a little bit of, but not because of the, the, that conception that people have about people in LA. I, sure. I've had the opposite. I've, I've have so many good friends here now. That's really cool. So that's where you guys are now. It's, it's really interesting to hear all that. That's a misconception out there. But let's talk about where you were. So looked on LinkedIn, and you uh, ran a company called uh, Madsoul from 2000 to 2007. And you've always been in the clothing industry. Tell us a little bit about what that company was and how you transitioned that into Level 4 Collective. Yeah, I started off in at, right out of college after in the ni- early '90s as a as a sales rep, and as I would work with companies and talk with different retailers, mm-hmm. I would speak with retailers, and they'd say, "Oh man, I wish we, I wish your company would do this." And I never owned the company, so in 2000, I started my own brand called Mad Soul out of the basically my house in in my apartment in Connecticut, and grew that to till 2007 and then I got back into the, had an opportunity to work with a company called Mitchell and Ness and I got back on the sales side. So basically I I have a showroom in New York City or I had a showroom in New York City and retailers would come into the showroom to see different brands, lines and we'd present them and it would act as a sales arm for different clothing companies. Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, you think about, (laughs) it's wild the transition of that to the things that you do now. With Level 4 Collective, what do you guys, like if someone looked into the company, how would you summarize exactly what you guys do today? I would say if you look at what an attorney does, there's in-house attorneys and there's and there's attorneys that you that work outside. We're basically the same thing for, for sales. So huh. a company like Nike might have an internal sales force. Yep. My company represents smaller brands and brings them to, to retail. Got so it. we... Yeah. So we have the show we the showroom. So a comp- store like Lids would come in, and yeah. and a lot of people thought I owned a retail store because when Dixie, Charlie, and and even Addison would come to my office in New York, yeah. it looked like basically a display on a retail store. And they yeah. said, does, "Does Mark own a store? Where's his <laughs> store?" So. The internet was doing investigating. Absolutely. Um, and so when you started Madsel, though, I, I love the story. You started out of your like a part, like the small house. Uh, how much money did you put into the company? Oh, I just put. I probably put a, you know a thousand bucks. Okay. And, and it was it was a struggle. I kind of I definitely bit off more than I could chew. Yeah. And thought thought being an entrepreneur was was a lot easier than it was. But it yeah. was it was it was it was a tough battle to learn. And I and I. But it was a great education. I think all those things I learned from design to import, export, invoicing, making, you know, cash flow, all those things yep. that I not actually didn't have to, re- really didn't have to work through when I was working for, even as an independent rep, I was working for another company. This was sink or swim was all me. Yeah, it's, it's and it's cool how a lot of those things you're doing then play into the entrepreneurial moves you could make now in a whole different world. What would you say was the number one lesson you've learned in your entrepreneurial worlds before all of this social media thing? It's kind of the lesson we talked about earlier. It's entrepreneurs sometimes, because they're so focused on being successful, they, they take on a lot of the responsibility themselves. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes you have to go out and get help. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you a perfect example. Like instead of hiring a graphic designer, yep. I probably spent hundreds of hours learning 
illustrator. And this is before yeah. you can go on YouTube and really get a good tutorial. Sure. So it was just like, yeah, and just as, grinding, trying as to opposed to just picking up the phone. And, and there is more access to talent now back then you had the yellow pages. You really, yeah. couldn't, <laughs> you really yeah. couldn't find just cold calling. Uh, yeah. For so, <laughs> but I found myself, whether it was accounting or, mm -hmm. you know, and I was limited with how much money I had to hire people, yeah. but there, there is an opportunity cost for you to learn and do it yourself as opposed to just, Hey, I'm not an expert. Let sure. me hire this guy. Let me hire that guy. And, and, or, or barter or something that sure. at least connect with people. And that's what definitely what I did, what we did with the girls. As we started to see some success, we mm -hmm. looked at bringing a team around us as opposed to me saying, oh, yeah, no, I, I'll take I used to sell T-shirts, so now I know how to <laughs> run Hollywood. It's like, it's just. <laughs> but so. did that thought cross your mind at all? Like, maybe I can manage? I, can, I know the business, I can negotiate, I can represent. I think to a fault, I probably stay back more than I should yeah. because I so don't want to create a mistake for my kids uh, that, yeah. and they're like, oh, here's another dad who sure. knows nothing about Hollywood getting yeah. button his nose into something and yeah. screwing it up. But, <laughs> you know, but there are sometimes like, I think now that I've have almost three years of experience, I, I'm not an expert by any means, but I yeah. definitely could, could interject and, and feel comfortable that yeah. what I have to say comes from a point of view that I think will be helpful. So. I love it. Outsource, find the right people because it could save you a lot of time and money. I wrote a book called The Restart Roadmap, which is all about changing your direction, making pivots and kind of leading the life you want versus the way life is leading you. I look at the pivot you guys made. I mean, wild and astronomical. What was your plan or what was, you know, you guys were gonna be empty nesters. Like what was the next step looking like for you and your wife? before all this craziness happened. Yeah, I mean, we were we were definitely heavily involved with the kids growing as they were growing up and we were this foursome that did a lot of things together and then as Charlie entered high school with Dixie, we started to hang out less as sure. is the story yeah, across sure. this country that when kids get into high school, they start to distance themselves from their parents. Of course. Still an incredible relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, we were starting to go back to the days when we first met, we lived in New York City and we had this great relationship and yeah. and it changes, still great, but changes when you have kids. And then we started going back to that a little bit and starting to, starting to hang out with with friends and, and socializing in our own circles. I think when, as soon as you have kids, you start to socialize with parents who are f your kids' friends' parents. And yep, of course. So now we went back to like, hey, we, we really like, you know, yeah, Paul and Tina and they're yeah. our good friends. And so it was that. And then we were, we were just contemplating between whether to stay in Connecticut or okay. move to a, a warmer climate. But quite frankly, California was not on the list just from we didn't really have anything, any reason to come out here. And I read somewhere that you guys were actually planning to consider retiring. It was that, is that true? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I could never see myself fully retired, yeah. but I could see myself balancing some sort of entrepreneurial business while yeah. living in a place where I'm not nine to five going in an office. Like I think that's sure. more retirement than, yeah. than actually retiring and playing golf every day. Yeah. Well, from, from being an empty nester to considering taking it back, now having millions of followers yourself 
and then a reality television show, The D'Amelio Show. The second season premieres here September 28th. What a wild, wild turn of events. When you think about what reality TV could have been versus what it has been, what has been the biggest takeaway? So the biggest takeaway for me was that I thought it was going to be more like you wake up in the morning and a camera's going to be in your face. Okay. And then <laughs> I, I didn't realize, I guess I probably should have thought that there was more structure in it. Okay. But it's, it's, it is a really good depiction of what happens every day. They look at our, they don't come to us with ideas. They look at our schedule and what's going on. And then they say, Hey, we want to follow, we want to follow this. And then yeah. they, they film it. And then we come back and we talk about it. So it's it's yeah. it's more real than I thought it would be. And I think we're they consider us this our show more of a docu series than okay. than a reality show. But okay. it is it is it right. is unscripted reality. But that aspect of although it's a lot of work, yeah. there's in a in a week's period of time, maybe yeah. I'm on camera a couple of hours where I thought it would have been- Like 24 seven Good morning, <laughs> Mark and Heidi, what's going You're on? You're trying so. to take a shower, get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, two rumors that you've broken. The people in LA are great in these reality TV shows. I like that you said it's like a true depiction of like what actually happened. I mean, that's another, I think people think things are like staged and stuff like that. So that's good to know. Yeah. What, is there anything at all you could tease about season two for us? Anything you could give us a heads up or why we should watch? I think that you see growth in us. I think the cool. first the first season, although it was a true depiction, it was during COVID. It was very, it was a little bit dark, but I think those were, those were stories that I'm very proud of my, my girls that they had to tell. Like, yeah. because you said earlier, this is, you know, this is the, uh, this is the life that everyone asked for. All these sure. kids want to be in this, in this position, but be careful what you wish for. And you could be extremely appreciative know that you're super blessed to be in this situation, but also know that it's not easy all the time and it, and it is stressful and having millions of eyes on you is, is, is very stressful, especially dealing with being home so, so much during COVID. Yeah. The second season we get out of the house more, you get to see a little bit more of what our family is like in happier times. There's That's still cool. ups and downs and, yeah. and, and controversy, but I think it's, it's a, season two, I would say is a lot lighter than season one. Okay. And you get to know us a little, you get to know more sides of us. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. One thing I got to ask you, especially being a business finance podcast, is a father of, of two daughters who have had extreme financial success. I, I, like from a parental standpoint, how do you like manage that so that the money doesn't get away? And how do you like parent? I just imagine if I was, if I was that age with that kind of money, I don't know if at 33, I'd still be around. So like, what do you, what do you do to like, just keep everyone like down to earth and humble when those type of dollars are rolling in? You know, I, I think although we, we came from, you know, I had a good career and we were, we were well off yeah. before this. I think that if there, there's not really anything I have to worry about. Like Charlie will come to me sometimes and goes, dad, I spent a lot on Amazon. I'm like, what's a lot, Charlie? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> give me numbers. I'm like, you're okay. Don't worry about it. So yeah. they don't, they, they haven't been very extravagant. They That's spend great. money on, on, on a nice, on a house. And, and Charlie doesn't even own a car that like uh, she doesn't drive. Yeah. Dixie has a, has, has a car, but there's no, there, there's no Lamborghinis in the horizon. It's, yeah. it's, we're just, they're just enjoying it. So yeah. I don't, and then any kind of big purchase or anything we have, 
we have financial we have a we have we have a financial manager but it's actually a whole firm in in new york that we've been with for a while and and now we're starting to talk about as we build the brand to build put a little financial team out here to kind yeah. of make sure we're on top of everything but i'm That's knock great. on wood i'm very yeah. very happy that they haven't <laughs> and i think it adds a testament to my wife my wife is yeah. is i wouldn't say frugal but she definitely will make sure that yeah she yeah. she's good that way checks and balances down to earth good parenting it's all good stuff you talked about your wife you talked about charlie i heard that charlie said in an interview your wife grew up as a competitive dancer and that you did break dancing can you confirm or deny I are can, you a break dancer I, well, can actually, we see a little move I, out here you can i can't <laughs> just kidding <laughs> he's like hold on no i will um <laughs> There is an actual video of me doing something recently. Okay. Was we were battle, we were dance battling. I think it was me and one of these gamer kids versus Charlie. And and <laughs> so if you search it, you can find it. But Heidi was definitely a dancer growing growing up. And I yeah I did I did dance a little bit. But I don't know that any of that maybe genetically it kind of <laughs> worked yeah. through to get to Charlie. But it's not like we would like she saw me doing stuff on. Uh, with Dixie's bicycle, like Dixie was a competitive bicycle racer. Like I grew up doing that, yeah. BMX. So that's where she definitely saw me do it. And we would go ride together. I love it. Well, I'm going to hold you to this break dancing thing one of these times, but for the competitive dancing for Heidi, exciting news. I got to see my better half win a mirror ball and dancing with the stars. You're going to be sitting there cheering on your better half. Heidi is on this season of dancing with the stars. Give me, I'm a, I like to bet. I like to gamble a little bit. Give me some like Vegas odds. Is she a favorite? Is she an underdog? What can we expect? So she's also in with Charlie. And I think a lot of people are going to think that because Charlie has a dance background, my wife is committed. Like she's, when she puts her mind to something, <laughs> so Heidi's definitely going to give Charlie a run for her money. That absolutely. is, so if you had to put a buck on Charlie or Heidi going further, you're going with Heidi? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There you go. You heard it here. Mark has got his money on Heidi. That's a good husband right there. And what's interesting, I'll tell you, just from my vantage point, seeing in Caitlin being on the show, it is hard work. I mean, they're in there grinding hours and hours, and she's coming back with all these blisters, and she's just like dying. She's got a chiropractor there every night. I mean, it was like, I couldn't believe how intense the show was. So buckle up. You'll be given some foot rubs. Thank you. I, and I'm, <laughs> I, I'm ready for it. I'm excited. And I think it's going to be great for for Charlie also because she, I mean, dance was such a big part of her life, and with all that goes has been going on, she just hasn't been f focusing on dance. So this is kind of yeah. a cool way for her to get back into it, and hopefully yeah. she catches the bug again and falls back in love with dance. I love it. I'm sure she will. And I will say it was like my fiance. She was a dancer her whole life, and I don't I don't know if I've ever seen her smile the way she was smiling on that dance floor. So I hope that's the same. They enjoy it. But I want to get back to business just a little bit here. Demilio Brands. I think it's it's genius what you guys have done. Some of the partners you've had, the way that you've raised capital. Tell us a little bit about Demilio Brands and why you guys started it. We, I mean, we started for a simple reason of that. We, we realize in this business that we're going to have to endorse other companies and which we love. And mm -hmm. there's, we have some incredible partners and there's some things we just won't be able to, to do on our own, whether it's a technology company or, 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 or things that, but there are things we can do on our, on our own. Mm -hmm. And with my background and my ability to my sourcing knowledge and my branding knowledge, we decided to create a, basically an incubator company for brands. Okay. And we partnered with a bunch of different really great investors. 
We put a valuation out there based on where we think we're, we, we are going to go with this thing at $100 million. And we raised, we could have raised a lot more, but we, we held it at five and actually just extended okay. to, so we sold 6% of it. We raised a lot of money and that's going right into to creating, a, creating these brands. And I think the important thing is what we don't want to do is just be another celebrity family that is creating things and products that other people don't need. So we're definitely going to be mindful of everything from, if it, if it doesn't have a, have a, have a purpose mm-hmm. or it doesn't fill a void of something that's not already filled, yeah. I really don't want to be involved in it because we don't yeah. just want to clutter the planet with, with more products and, and things like that. So we're looking at whether it's a sustainable merch company that actually okay. does things the, the right way and works with other influencers to, you know, a, a bunch of different products and, and, and categories. But again, my, both Dixie and Charlie are, are very committed to making sure that we're not just having another product, product category. Out there. Yeah. Interesting. So, so valued at, a, at about a hundred million, you raised, you said 6 million, raised 6 million, and it's going to be brands that will be owned by the investing group, but will serve multiple niches, not just Charlie and Dixie's, like a brand under their name that they're pushing. It'll be a, an array of different products and yeah. consumer packaged goods. And it could be, it, it could be a cool, we're, we didn't, obviously the, the drivers in our family are, are Dixie and Charlie, yeah. but if there's something that we can get behind, whether it's a, whether it's a household product or a dog sure. product or a dog brand yeah. that we could speak to because we have four dogs and we're, yep. we're dog people, <laughs> that could be something really cool. I love that. That yeah. is that is really cool. If someone does have a product and they're like, I think they would like it, but they are a small startup, how could they possibly get into an incubator like this? Yeah, that that's you know that's a really good point because a lot of times what I've heard is people say, oh well, you know this X Y Z celebrity is just the they're why are they doing that? But yeah. we can partner mm-hmm. with whether it's our investment fund that we that we partner. With with small companies or something like this, we would love to to partner with with up and coming brands or people that have patents, trademarks, things like that. That we could take their technology and share sure. it with our platform and and grow something cool together. Yeah, so. awesome. Well, there you go, guys. DM Mark. Maybe you'll get in there. <laughs> the last question I got for you before we get your trading secret, which we'll know or we'll need to know, is just. You've already generated, you, you had success before this all happened. You're at a whole different level of success with your family. You have a docu-series, you have D'Amelio brands. What is the, if you put like a, a vision board together, like what's next? Like what, I mean, it seems like you guys can conquer the world at this point. I'm curious what's next when you're at the dinner table thinking about five, 10 years from now with you guys. I mean, we constantly talk about setting up goals around, around happiness, and it's never something that, like, it's never about how much money we could stockpile or what mm-hmm. we can. It, it's always about like what makes what makes each of us tick, and are we following the path to to make? And it sounds like really, like that's something I'd be saying on a podcast, but it sure, really sure. is. Like I yeah. sit there and I'm when 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 either of my daughters gets in a rut, I'm like. I mean, you gotta you gotta look yeah. within and find out what you're all about, and then then we can do things. This the the all the success is just a vehicle to to do good in the world and to and and to hopefully create happiness within yours 
within yourself. And that's what we yeah. always have these checks all the time. It's a little bit less now because we're all deep into it. But early yeah. on, it was like, is this something you guys really want to do? Is this yeah. something that we're opening up this Pandora's box? So is this something that? Yeah. So that's kind of where 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 each of us talk about where, what but I don't is. see it about, oh, I want to have a, I want us to have a billion dollar company or sure. I want to do this. It's ne it never gets like that. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really cool. It aligns. And I've, I've talked about this at lengths on this podcast. So for my listeners, if you heard it before and you're, you're saying I'm redundant, I don't care. Rob Deerdick, when he came on, that's a lot about what he talked about. And his trading secret is he has a whole entire Excel file he's been filling out for seven years on what he does within the day. And it's very like, did I drink today? How many drinks did I have? Did I work out? That was I filming? And he figured out like the algorithm to his, and it's just happiness. He's just figured out what level of happiness creates or what things he does creates the best output of happiness. And so like one thing he did was he recognized, recognized when he's filming, he's drinking more, he's away from his wife and kids. And as a result of that, his happiness is lower. So then he put a system in place where he's only filming 4% of the year. So it's, it's, it's just interesting that some of the most successful people out there with the biggest dollars and values and net worth, that's not what they're chasing. They're actually chasing the core of happiness, which will drive those other things. Then I got to ask one last question is what truly makes you happy? Like when you look at your thing, like, like your everything in life they have going on, like what is the, the key to your happiness? It's, I think I'm not different than most, most parents out there. My, yeah. I'm, I'm very committed to, to our family. And I've always, although there, I definitely look about things to make my, myself happy, but mm -hmm. I'm, I say to my to Charlie and Dixie all the time, like if you guys are happy, I'm happy, and and it's true. Like oh, they can turn my world into into a tailspin if all of a sudden their world isn't going right. And maybe that'll as they get older and they get they have their own kids, it'll change. But yeah. from the time they were born till right now, my happiness is based off my family's happiness. Oh, that is awesome. I love it. And if you are ever questioning that happiness, watching Dancing with the Stars, because there are some <laughs> hot guys out there like Gleb that might be dancing, you just give me a call. I'll tell you how to deal with them. Uh, they're all, they're, they're you're going to get a call from me, I promise you that. <laughs> they're all great guys. All right, we got to wrap with your trading secret, a lesson someone can't learn in a classroom, a textbook, or Google on either financial management, career management, just managing life. What, what would your trading secret be, Mark? Ask for help. I, th I think you'd be surprised on, especially a person in my uh, my age, mm -hmm. how many times young people come to me and ask me for something and I really, like that's, we're talking about what makes me happy aside from my family, like being yeah. able to help someone else. Mm -hmm. And and that, I, and I didn't do that a lot. Yeah. I kind of was like, I got it, I got it. And Dixie's yeah. a lot like that, but I would say, you know, and then maybe, maybe you might not get the help all, but if someone comes to me and they get to me somehow, I'm not saying I could take sure. every person out there, but sure. I'm more than willing to help. And I think a lot of people feel like that. So I love it. Great advice. And that's awesome that you live by it and you're also willing to give it back. That's awesome. All right. We got season two coming up September 28th. We got Heidi and Charlie. They're going to be on Dancing with the Stars. If people want more of you, Mark, where can they find you? All my social media is, and I'm trying to figure out what my social media is all about, but yeah. I, I love doing stuff I mean, like you're this. Killed, for a guy trying to figure it out, you're killing it. <laughs> so just all my socials are at Mark D'Amelio, M-A-R-C, D'Amelio. Love it. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining Thanks, us on Jason, Trading Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. This is awesome, man. It's great. Ding, ding.
Ding! We are closing in the bell with the one and only, the Curious Canadian on the Mark D'Amelio podcast. Perfect timing because we got Dancing with the Stars coming out. We have Hulu season two with the D'Amelios coming out. A lot of action. And I know, I know whether he'll admit it or not that David is the biggest D'Amelio fan in the planet. And before I even knew what a D'Amelio was, David knew the whole background of each and every one of the family. So David, welcome to the closing bell. Thank you for having me. Excited for this episode. Uh, yeah, huge D'Amelio guy since Charlie was coming up in the TikTok streets. And I know we were supposed to have Heidi on, I think, way back uh, in the spring. So finally, we got one of them. We landed one of them. Heidi and Charlie are doing Dancing with the Stars. Dixie's hot in the streets with her new haircut. Just blazing headlines, looking great. Uh, always dating rumors with Noah Beck. I'm all over it. But the D'Amelios are here. We got them on the Trading Secrets podcast, and it was great to have Mark on. You know what? Uh, chicks in the office, if you guys need a third co-host, David Arduin is the pop culture stud. He could be on there. David, it wouldn't be our our closing recap segment if we didn't throw a couple chirps out. It sounds like you got a frog in your throat and you got hit by a bus. What the fuck's going on? You hung over there? You tired over there? Is life okay? I'm uh, in a Minnesota hotel. It's eight in the morning. I'm I'm on a five game losing streak. I was up watching video to about three a.m. Had a couple, got had a couple bourbons, trying to figure out the figure out life and how we're going to score some goals. But I'm excited to be here, so don't you know? Don't take the uh, the grogness away from my excitement for this episode, or just you know, trying to figure out how to win some hockey games. All right, we're going to do over there. We're going to get into the Demilios. I want to know on a five game losing streak. People in life are losing all the time that listen to this. Not in a hockey game, but whatever they feel like they're losing in. What is the biggest thing, the number one thing you're going to do to get out of it? That's a great question. Uh, I try and it's okay to have emotions, but I try not to get emotional. Try not to feel like the world's, you know, walls are caving in and the world's ending. At the end of the day, you just got to fix it and you got to research and you got to, you know, have a plan and a plan of action and try and get better every day. So instead of making excuses and saying like, it's about mindset, it's, it's really about execution and having a plan and fixing things and identifying problems and, um, having a plan of action and just, I don't know, big energy guy, especially earlier in the year, got to stay positive and, uh, and make those around you believe. I like it. That's a great answer. Okay. D'Amelio episode. What questions you got? What are you thinking? Yeah. So let's get right into the thick of the business thing. First off, you know, I just think the scope, you said 365 million followers on all their social media platforms in the family. You're in the influencer game, obviously. Uh, can you put that into perspective? 365 million followers um, as a family, just how big of a wagon this family is? Honestly, David, I, it's really, it's hard to comprehend it, right? And here's why it's hard to comprehend it. Like, you know, between all my socials, I think I have a million and a half following between all Caitlin's socials she probably has around three million plus and I think about all the things that have happened and and that we've been able to like create from having amazing you know just fan base listeners etc and it's just I can't comprehend that right they have literally 400 times the following that KB and I have. And like, like, like Caitlin this past week, she has her wine and fucking target. Like what's can nuts. this family not have access to? Well, it's like, we talk about the reach of bachelor nation and how like big it is and how well known and followed. Do you think that the Emilio family has more social media followers than 
all of the people associated with Bachelor Nation combined in the history of Bachelor Nation? Probably. I mean, not to do the math, but the one thing they have that's different is most people in Bachelor Nation, if you take the following and you did combine them all, there's so much overlap, right? When one of these girls has 200 mm -hmm. million humans, right? In the United States, there's 300, what, 330 some million pop people in the population. In Canada, it's like, what, around 30 million? They have the whole yeah. population following. And I think the <laughs> biggest thing, I want to talk about this business aspect, especially us as, as we age, we're so disconnected. I was talking, I was just with Tyler Cameron working on a project. We are yeah, so sick. Way to make us feel all really great about our, about our, <laughs> about our winter bodies coming into the. <laughs> um, we, uh, Tyler and I were talking about the fact that like when he goes to like a big high school football game in Florida or anything like that, and his dad was even talking about too, like no one in the area has a clue to who he is. But if he goes to like a college football game, it's like an absolute swarming. And so it's so interesting that this family has such a stronghold on the entire Gen Z market. Like the future of their business is so massive because they have the Gen Z audience on lock. And it was so interesting to hear like UTA, the talent agency that they're with, really give them the only pitch to like sell the family. It's like everyone was so hyper-focused on, on Charlie, but you have this family with all these skills and obviously their followings to sell them on that, which is how they got the Hulu show. And also, you know, to talk about the D'Amelio brands, like, they are a brand, and, and I think UTA saw that, and Mark talked a lot about it and was very educated on it. My, my main question is voice of the viewer that I didn't know the definition, and we haven't had one of these in a while, so it's nice to get dumbed down again. He talked about D'Amelio Brands being an incubator company for brands. Can you define what an incubator company is and how it kind of functions? Yeah, so an incubator is just like a collaborative program for startups. So what they do is that any company that's in the stage of infancy – they will help with advising, with legal, with getting seed funding. Uh, they'll do, they'll even provide workspace. They don't provide capital, but they provide like all the things the startup you need. And the big thing with an incubator is they're focused a lot on innovation. So when I went to Israel for my MBA, we went to a bunch of different incubators because tech incubators are huge there. Like in Israel, famous, famous and, and very monumental tech companies have been created like the Waze app. That's from Israel. There is something called the Iron Dome. The Iron Dome is technology that when Gaza was shooting missiles into Israel, they created a detonator that would release a rocket find the G GPS coordinates of the rocket coming in and the rocket would hit the rocket coming from Gaza and detonate it. So the rocket didn't, of course, kill civilians. So they're huge on technology. And America actually adopted that. And so when I was there for my MBA, we spent a lot of time in these incubators. And it's fascinating. It's just like, if you have idea or skill set, they'll help you get off the ground and running. Now, there is something people should know about. It's called an accelerator program. So incubators and accelerators, completely different. Accelerator programs are very focused, like hyper-focused on growth. They want you to get your product up, scaled and blow up. So think about like, I think about Caitlin's wine. That would be like an accelerator program would have had more interest. Like it's a wine, we can grow it, we can scale it, we can give you the money, we'll get you into stores. Something like 
a Waze app is the definition of incubator. Like you need so much attorney work and workspace and innovation and advisors and technology and rules and regulation that would be better in an incubator space. Okay. That makes sense. Now, if you're, they said they have, they had a hundred million dollar valuation. They already sold 6% of it. And that, you know, so they lost 6% of the D'Amelio brand. Uh, and that goes into creating the brands. They said that if they don't want to create something that, or that doesn't have a purpose or fill a void, then they won't, they won't create it. So here's my question to you. What are they selling to sell this 6%? Cause they don't have products They're They, they said they're an incubator company for brands. So are they just selling the their reach? Are they selling their 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 family name? What are they selling to be a part of Demilio brands to people who want to invest in them? I think a lot of brands when you're for when you're valued, you're valued on your historical performance, what you've already done, and then you are valued on your future forecasts based on what you can do with your reach and opportunity. And I think that what they must have done is had a lot of success with this social tourist merch. They must have sold a shit ton of merch. I know that they've partnered with other brands in the past. And so like Dunkin' Donuts, they must have had a lot of historical success with that. And then additionally, I think the biggest thing that they have, which is something we've talked about already, is they have the ability to create the future version of what already exists in future older generations. For example, established brands it's by celebrities. Like let's name a few. Obviously you have Jordans, right? Jordans took over. You have, this is another example that's out there, the George Foreman grill, right? I'm sure Kylie you skin. Kylie skin. So they already have these big celebrity brands that are worth millions and millions and hundreds of millions of valuation. If they can start to create products for the next generation to take over, the valuation opportunity is huge and it's all based on future forecast. And that's why companies will uh, create these valuations and put this type of money in. But there is a lot of like, like skeptics out there would be like valuation like this yeah. is definitely more of an art than a science. Like there are okay. different people that would come in with the valuation who can come up with different numbers. Yeah. So, that, that makes sense. It's not like a hard fact number proved by, like you said, science. It's more of like a, a, a creative vision that that makes the valuation. So I would invest in D'Amelio brands 100%. Um, they ain't going anywhere. Uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about numbers wise, you talked a little bit about how do you rein in your, you know, young daughter's finances in terms of, you know, watching their spend and making sure that they're still responsible. Charlie brought home $17.5 million last year. Dixie, $10, 10 million. Charlie's the second most followed person on all of TikTok, was number one for two years. I'm just really impressed that they seem responsible, but put yourselves in, in Mark's shoes. <laughs> How would your approach be with your daughters in that in that sense of like money management and like, you know, they're earning their own money and and, and getting them to, you know, be responsible or, or make sense of it? My approach would be identical to what like a professional athlete goes through. Like you have a potential, potential, maybe not guaranteed, but a potential short term shelf life. And so the way you have to manage this money is you have to manage this money on the assumption that this all goes away. 
And so if they're making 17, 20 million a year, you have to work with an advisor that is setting them up. So by the age of 35, let's say, or 30, they can retire with a lifestyle of earning at least 500K a year with the funds that they have. Now, mm-hmm. I said a lot there. Does that make sense what I just said? Yeah, it does. And it, just hearing you say that, it just put a way in my brain that I would never have thought of, to be honest. And it's so smart. And, you know, other than just saying, oh, you're 17 and a half, like you can spend five this year. You can spend two. Like, I'm going to put you on allowance. Like, it's none of those. You're setting them up for future success so they could have like, recurring income regardless of their successes and if they get more successful you can change that recurring income year over year but that's definitely the way to look at it that makes a lot of sense it's the it's kind of the rob gronkowski model right like yes i will not spend one dollar from the nfl all of that money is going to go into investments and my endorsement money is what i'll spend that's the thought process and i think anyone out there like obviously take a few zeros away, right? I don't know how many people out there are making 17 and a half million listening to this podcast, right? But the same thought process goes. Like if you are having good earnings today, what are you doing today? What are you doing right now to make sure that you're not immediately cash outflowing that success? You're either reinvesting into something new or you're putting it away for the rainy years that you're not as having as much success. That is massive. That is so important. And I just have so much respect for them. Like one of the hardest things I can, I can only imagine as parents is how you go about like allowing your, your sons and daughters using social media. Like, I don't know, a lot of parents like restrict them and don't, uh, don't allow them to use certain apps and to just have them able to use social media and thrive on it. And like you said, just be attentive, be aware, be involved in that process rather than take it away from them. Uh, I just think with where the world's going, that's, it's just, you're ridding them of some opportunity. I love it. Now let's wrap with this, David. We know what's coming up season two, but we also know what's coming up this week. Dancing with the stars. Yes. We got Heidi with Artem and you got Charlie. Who's Charlie with? Charlie's with Mark. Mark. Two time winner. Let's make them bet right here, right now. Me versus you. I want Heidi and Artem knowing that Artem was Caitlin's previous partner. I want to lunch on it. Are you willing to take Charlie? Yes, 100%. Ride and die in that corner. All right. So you and I are going at it toe to toe. I'll ask you guys out there, what'd you think of this episode? Who do you think goes farther, Heidi or Charlie? In the comments, you let us know. David and I have lunch on the line. And I also have to give a shout out to the reviews. You guys think we just say leave a review and do nothing with it. Uh, We actually had one of our reviewers just win Yankees tickets. So make sure when you put a review out there, throw in your Instagram handle because we have things to give away and we will reach out to you. So thank you for all those reviews. I'm going with Heidi. She is my go-to. I believe in Artem. He just got married. He's focused. Cat Pelota, who left a review, just won Yankees tickets. And that's all I got, David. You got anything else? Yeah, one last thing on Dancing with the Stars. First off, Charlie going to crush it. Second off, it's not on ABC. It's the first time that they're switching over to the streaming platform. Uh, I believe it's on Disney Plus, if I'm not mistaken. How do you think that's going to go for them, viewership-wise? Business-wise, let's talk about it real quick. Netflix has less subscribers than Disney Plus now. So I think Disney Plus Mm. is obviously doing a lot to be successful. You're seeing Dancing with the Stars has put in more PR dollars than they've ever 
put in marketing dollars to convert people to Disney Plus, the biggest con- question is going to be, will the natural viewing audience change? Because the natural viewing audience for Dancing with the Stars is much older than The Bachelor. Will those people be willing to go through the app process? That's the big question mark. And if they're not willing to do that, can they capture enough of the Gen Zers to do it so that it doesn't impact the show? We'll find out. Uh, I talked to Alan. He was just here for breakfast the other day. And it was interesting like to get his take on it. He thinks there's no way that ABC and Disney haven't like had this figured out before the transition. Yeah. I think there's still a little risk in it. And the big question too is like, when you go and dance with the stars, you don't really get followers. You just don't. Like grocery store Joe got like 10,000 followers. So I wonder if the dichotomy of the demographic changing also changes the Instagram um, success. We'll have Bachelor Data analyze all that and we'll come back to you guys with numbers. Got to be such a big ad for them to add Charlie now that they're going to more of a streaming service, like bringing any of her audience over to the streaming service. There's got to be some strategy there. I wonder what she's getting paid to be on that show if it's different than what, you know, someone like a KB or someone was getting because she's a, a big, big, big fish uh, to get on that show. She's a big fish. We'll have to dig into that. My guess is those contracts are all the same uh, and they all get paid pretty well. But to your point, you know, Charlie and Heidi are a big deal. So more to come. Maybe they get 2x. We'll have to see. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Trading Secrets. Guys. Big news. Bachelor in Paradise is premiering. And with Bachelor in Paradise premiering, we have the king of Bachelor in Paradise coming on next week. Grocery store Joe. Get ready. Get locked up. Go follow us on Trading Secrets podcast page. Just to make sure it's the right page, we have about 130,000 followers right now. And make sure to give us five stars on Apple Reviews. And we will see you next Monday. Hopefully this was another episode you could not afford to miss. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.